2: SportsGrid.com, betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering, real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
3: Welcome to the early live, live right here, closing out the week on a Friday morning. I'm Kevin Walsh, joined by Donnie Wrightside on SportsGrid DRS. How are you feeling?
4: I feel good. It's a Friday. We're
3: ready to move on to the weekend.
4: I do kind of enjoy this, Kevin. Waking up in the morning, turning on you know ESPN or NBC, whatever it is, just to get my morning started. And I see golf like live. I actually like this. I could get
3: used to it. say PGA Tour. How about more five a.m. golfing here? I like this. That's an interesting. So yeah. you you want events to start at five a.m. but yes. nine p.m. Like that's where you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. What are, we, what are we really getting into here? I, I see, mean, people I get see. up in the. we
4: yeah. want to watch stuff in the morning. I think this is a new hey, Live Golf Tour, you listening out there? You got 5 a.m. shotgun starts. I mean, D.R.S. will be a fan for life.
3: Yeah, I don't think that's true, by the way. So do not take his word for that one mm-hmm. bit. We will get to the open in just a minute, but some big NBA headlines come through yesterday, and it started with an offer sheet by the Indiana Pacers, a max at that to DeAndre Ayton, which was swiftly met by the Phoenix Suns, who then pretended that they always wanted to bring DeAndre Ayton back, which I thought was pretty good. Nevertheless, Nani Ayton will be staying in Phoenix. Yeah, we'll have some fun with this a
4: little bit later in the show. But this is like, man, we don't think he's that good. Wait, everybody wants this guy? Hey, come on back here. We'll sign this. I mean, what are you doing, Phoenix? This was your number one overall pick. You're supposed to treat this guy like gold for as long as he wants to stay in Phoenix. And the tables got turned, and all of a sudden, they love this guy now? Good stuff.
3: I bet you the Suns faithful out there think, oh, this is a good day for us. There's no way anybody could slander. The FanDuel Sportsbook has dropped your odds to win the title back to plus 850. Because what does this really mean? No one cares about Ayton if it means you're not going to get Kevin Durant. Does this eliminate them in the KD race? We will unpack that. As well. I'll tell you what also complicates the KD race. All of these outrageous asking prices that Danny Ainge is sending around to various teams. The report comes from The Athletic that the Knicks and Jazz could have already completed a deal as the Jazz were asking for all they wanted, Donnie about four players and six first round draft picks. The Knicks declined this deal. I mean, you wouldn't even get this deal for Michael Jordan back in the day. I have no idea what's going on
4: in the NBA. So I do like to put a nice sort of promotional uh, shot here at the end of the show and listen up. I'm going to go off on this subject because we're talking about Adam Silver stepping in and making some demands. or Oh, you know, trades and, you know, lowering the limit of who can actually get drafted in the NBA. You need to handle this situation here where your first round draft picks apparently mean absolutely nothing in the NBA, apparently.
3: We will we will get into that a little bit I think in, in our own right there but I just looked at what the header reads for listen up uh, and it almost now yeah. checks in It's two hours of anticipation there uh, as it's, can't just might, one, it can't grab we might we might get it we we might get our uh, our graphics guy which to send a text he sent this before hey uh, is this what you meant to put in because sometimes you see some yeah. of the topics you know that, that doesn't really make all too this was, much this sense. went over
4: big in the back room trust me it did. <laughs>
3: I'm sure it did Uh, we make the move over to the open and we're always interested in what Tiger can do in a major and my goodness plus six in round one I believe uh, T149 after one day of golf and uh, Donnie you were telling me I don't think it's really getting all too much better. Yeah,
4: and I think somebody's cheating here at the uh, Royal and Ancient or whatever they call the governing body here for the British Open where apparently Tiger Woods might still make the cut at about plus nine in this tournament. So
3: somebody fill me in on these rules. I'll tell you what, I I would like to see that and help the FanDuel Sportsbook Boost come on in. Our radio audience is here on this Friday morning. Sirius XM, Channel 159, Kevin Walsh, Donnie, right side of the early line. One thing, though, that does remain at the Open is the favorite status on Rory McIlroy, And, in fact, it's been uh, dropping quite a bit. Opened at 10-1 to to win this tournament. Now sitting at plus 300. Yeah, Roy's going to tee off about 10 10
4: a.m. Eastern today. And we'll see if he can shoot up that leaderboard. Because it looks like, again, scoring conditions are out there, Kevin. Not a lot of wins. Looks like a little bit damp golf course. This golf course can be had today. And maybe Roy can really go low and say, you know what? I'm the guy to beat here in the open.
3: Something for us to follow that top group rounding out right now on the FanDuel Sportsbook. Scotty Scheffler, Cam Smith, and Cam Young. Only four golfers under 10-1. to 1. But the fifth guy, Dustin Johnson. Certainly something mm. to keep your eyes on there. How about in Major League Baseball, literally the biggest upset of the season? You got to understand how crazy that the biggest favorite Major League Baseball has seen all year long Kevin Gaussman, the Toronto Blue Jays against a basically entirely unvaccinated, therefore absent Kansas City Royals, over minus 400 on the Toronto Blue Jays, and they lose 3-1 to the Kansas City Royals.
4: Yeah, yesterday I had a, a free bet here at the FanDuel Sportsbook, so I included a parlay, and I said to myself, I'm just going to take the over for the Toronto Blue Jays as a team total. I don't even care what it is. Just throw it in there. this should be a blowout. The simple fact that they lost 3-1, it just shows you what we like to say. That's baseball. Now, they might get swept the rest of this series and lose this four-gamer, but that's incredible stuff where nobody was looking at them going, you know what? Circle the wagons here. I'll take the Royals.
3: Yeah, a, a stunning result. true, really. Like, usually game-to-game, game, oh, any, any given day on a baseball slate, you get to minus 4, 430 at some spots there. Incredible stuff. By the way, since the Orioles took the day off, the Mariners now and their double-digit win streak can finally make the headlines here as they remain red-hot against the Texas Rangers. Also, we'll talk tight ends today. Dalton Schultz in Dallas and Mike Gusecki in Miami look like they're going to be playing on the franchise tag. We'll talk about that and some season-long numbers on some of the top tight ends. The NBA
1: VR training platforms, like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International, are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients.
5: As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop.
1: Learn more at meta.com slash impact.
5: Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block.
3: We have taken to get here on this one. The Indiana Pacers clearing cap space for Ayton. By the way, not just like, you know, oh, they would have done this anyway. They're waving people, they're stretching contracts, they're making moves that suggest that they know not only did they have the chance to pay Ayton, that Ayton would accept it, but also that there was no world the Phoenix Suns would match. So they go out there and uh, at around, uh, you know, later in the night, or they they make that offer, $133 million over four years, biggest offer sheet of all time. And within the hour, we hear that the Phoenix Suns will match. There's a lot of ramifications and different aspects that this deal now will have on the league. The initial takeaway, Donnie, from this kind of one-hour window of the Pacers offering up, and the Suns matching. It, it doesn't make any sense to me because you try to get back
4: even to the psyche of a player and an organization. All along, Kevin, weren't the vibes coming out of Phoenix? Like, yeah, you know, we're not sold on Aiton at this point here. Probably just going to let him go, and we'll try to rebuild, maybe make a move for Kevin Durant or pick up the string somewhere else. And then all of a sudden, you say to yourself, because it wasn't even like, Kevin, they mulled this over. As soon as you saw the offer sheet go out, where the Indiana Pacers are like, yeah, we love Aiton. We want to bring him here. And probably Aiton and his camp are like, hey, man, look at this. An organization and a team that says, hey, come to us. We'll pay you a lot of money. Let's build our team around you. Let's see what we can do with this. And that feels good as a basketball player because all we were hearing for the past, like, two years, like, ah, you know what? He's a good player. Talking about Aiden, but we don't know if he's the future of this franchise or can compete at a high level into his late 20s. Like, the guy is a young, really good player that has done nothing but compete on the basketball court and do good things for your Mm -hmm. team, which is typically an NBA You fight over those guys. We're not losing this guy. We'll sign him to whatever he wants. We want him to be happy just here in Phoenix. And for the fact that you let it get to this point, and then you say, all right, uh, we'll see what he gets on the upper. Like, what were you trying to do? Like, if he signed with the Knicks or the Heat, you wouldn't have matched it. But since now you think the Pacers think he's good, like, oh, hey, guys, get back to the film room. Do some research on Aiton to see if he's actually really good on our basketball team. It doesn't make any sense. And all of a sudden, at the end of it, it's not really hurt feelings because he's going to get his money. And apparently the Phoenix Suns do want him now. But it's just kind of odd how this roundabout, you know, spectrum that we look at came to this. It
3: never should have came to this. It shouldn't have. Though there was an interesting kind of aspect provided yesterday in that the Suns could have offered Aiton more money than anybody else. But also, if they had the Suns give out a max, or rather the Pacers give out a max, and they match, they're able to bring back Aiton at a discount. Because I don't know if Aiton would have agreed to this deal to maybe stay in Phoenix, because it's under the the absolute peak threshold that the Suns were able to offer. So maybe a little, you know, gamesmanship there, right? Donnie by the Suns, keep the contract offer a little bit lower. The problem with that is, though, you cannot try and tell me that that was the Suns' plan the entire way. They did not actively in public showed the displeasure between DeAndre Ayton and Monty Williams in a Game 7 of the NBA playoffs to, th- to bring back Ayton at a discount. That's not the way this was playing out here. Clearly, they saw that bringing Ayton back made sense for their basketball team. But do not think that everything is happy days in Phoenix between Ayton and this organization. That would be foolish. Yeah, I'm sure the Suns front office is happy that Aiton is back at a lower number than it could have been. Does anybody think Aiton's happy about that? Does Monty Williams all of a sudden, what, like Aiton and now will call him and say, I'm sorry I benched you during the playoffs, during important stretches of the game? I doubt it. So that's one of the sneaky aspects of this all here is that there is some damage done to the relationship between Aiton and... And the Suns. And I know the notion is that winning cures all, but that wasn't really the case even last year, because they won more games than anybody in the regular season. And we knew things were contentious between Ayton and the organization. Now, the other kind of question here, of course, is how does this impact the Kevin Durant deal? And I think the FanDuel Sportsbook has given us a little bit of an indication on that, at least it appears to be the case. Ayton coming back is obviously fine for this team. Nobody won more games. They went to the NBA Finals the year before that. They should be at least one of the seven or so best teams in the NBA, right? As long as they can run it back to some degree. But they are the team that Kevin Durant wants to play for. And this is now, Donnie, the early idea going to hamper their ability to bring in a Kevin Durant.
4: Yes, and it certainly will. And also, I wanted to get this question in here because it's fun that we get to talk about this on a Friday with, you know, not a lot of other huge things going around. DeAndre Ayton, because I see an Adrian Wojnarowski tweet here that basically says Phoenix can't trade him without his consent for a full year. Mm -hmm. But I also saw some other tweets out there that said he can actually get traded by this deadline because, I I don't know, maybe if he agrees to it. What's the synopsis there? Because what I'm trying to get at is the perspective of we signed him because we didn't just want to lose him, but he might be worth more to us at a trade deadline than just losing him completely. Talk about when he's actually eligible, possibly to get traded. And also the ramifications,
3: is that the real plan here for the Phoenix Suns? So, I believe the way it works is, he cannot be traded traded no matter what until January 15th. At that mm-hmm. point, though, he still essentially has a no-trade clause, if you will. Yeah because of the fact that they matched, right? I don't think they can kind of, you know, wrote where it's like, hey, we're matching, then we're trading, we're doing whatever we want here. You have to, I think, be able to give the player some opportunity to kind of, you know, keep some control over their own situation. So, to kind of your point here, DeAndre Ayton is now a complete non-factor in the Kevin Durant sweepstakes. And I know there are sons, and oh, hey, the Nets never wanted him, all right? This doesn't change a thing. Listen, every single report around the Suns and the Nets deal is that the Suns are going to have to bring in a third and maybe fourth team. How do you think they're going to do that? Pay them off? No, they were probably going to have to send Andre Ayton somewhere and hope that they could recoup assets. That is completely off the table now. So the Suns, by the way, are going to have to pay quite a number to house Chris Paul, Devin Booker, Kevin Durant, and DeAndre Ayton. It is possible, but essentially, we now have a clear indication. The best offer, the peak offer that the Suns can give up is McCall Bridges, salary filler, and every draft pick they own for the next seven or eight years. That is the the state of things in Phoenix because now... What we have to figure out is how does McCall Bridges stack up against whatever Miami's best offer is, a Toronto's best offer, a New Orleans' best offer, and so on and so forth, because we now know Aiton is a complete non-factor in the KD sweepstakes. Now, could this be a stashing
4: and grab? And what I'm talking about here is trying to feed off of eight and can be traded by the trade deadline coming up in January. Could this be one of those things where it's hardball with the Nets where they go, OK, we're not getting what we want out of here. But maybe Kevin Durant shows up on the basketball court with Kyrie Irving. And by January, Kevin, it's not working out. So can you revisit this trade option in January? And would that even be on the table as a possibility?
3: I hear what you're saying. I think, though, if you get to the point where Katie shows up and plays games for Brooklyn, I almost feel like that chapter is closed until the year would come to an end, I think, right? Kyrie, all of a sudden's one-year option would be up. We'd get a better indication of what Ben Simmons is bringing to the table, and then we'll see how Kevin Durant feels. He'd still have three-plus years uh, on his contract, and at that point, then everybody can revisit the situation. So, no, I don't think so. I, I don't. And I think now at this point, the Suns are going to have to stay committed to DeAndre Ayton unless the two sides continue to dislike one another and maybe Ayton asks out, but not, you know, in, a way, in, a, in an interesting turn of events. The one thing that is clear on the FanDuel Sportsbook is despite retaining DeAndre Ayton, they believe the Suns now are less likely to win the NBA championship than 24 hours before. There's a lot more movement around the NBA. We continue to break it down right here on SportsGrid.
2: SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
3: Welcome back in here right here on Ooh. Friday Ooh. What? Come on. Now. If they they set it up on what are me. You doing? I was trying to cover. Now hold on. I was trying to now, cover. This is I was here? trying to cover. Is
4: somebody setting me up no. here.
3: Was I set up no. by my host? No. no. Oh my. No, God. you were set up you were set up by the boys in the back. You got it though. Oh. You got it. You got it.
4: All right, ready? Give me a 3 2 1. Yeah. Give me a 3 2 one. Go. All right, ready? Give me ready? one. Go. 3 2 Welcome right on back in here to the Early Line, Friday AM edition. It's Donnie Wrightside and the Kevin Walsh here having fun talking some NBA. Now, Kevin, we talk so much in the NBA about what is it going to be for Phoenix now? What is it going to be for Brooklyn? But I got to tell you, what happens now with the Indiana Pacers now that they lost out on DeAndre 8?
3: So there is one sneaky thing that kind of enters the fold here. Since they have all of this money and nowhere to spend it, a tanking team going into this season, usually they would fit the description like the San Antonio Spurs as a group that just might be willing to take a bad contract on for a first-round pick and figure out the rest from there, a.k.a. the Lakers just saw a new team enter the fold as a potential housing spot for Russell Westbrook, and that is big because there were some people who were trying to tell me that the Lakers were going to have to give up two first-rounders in order to get off Russell's contract, a preposterous notion not grounded in reality. But even if anybody thought that had a chance now, that is completely off the table because, again, if you're the Spurs or the Pacers, you're tanking. So you're just going to be given a first-round pick to bring a guy in and it makes no difference, you'll cut him and move on, it's a great situation for you. Those two teams now most likely will almost end up competing. Now, not at an insane level, right? But to take Russ on to then get rid of Russ in exchange for a first-round pick, it sneaky helps the Lakers out that Aiden ultimately was matched by the Phoenix Suns. Yeah, getting an organization's hopes
4: up here by getting DeAndre Ayton. Could have been a game changer there for the Pacers, but now back to the drawing board. And talking about at the drawing board here, starting to draw up some trade packages here. And I like to preface this by saying, Donovan Mitchell to the New York Knicks for me. I think it's the best fit overall for Mitchell. He wants the Knicks. The Knicks want him. He wants to play on that big stage. And the Knicks get a superstar player. But I have to be honest with you here. And again, I'm going to double down on this much later in the show. We'll have some fun talking about this right now. The equivalent of in all sports you look at Kevin like a first round pick in the NFL is like Ooh, I don't know if I would to give up a first round pick for Aaron Rodgers that's the equivalent of what a first round pick is to in NFL GM NHL, Major League Baseball but we look in the NBA and you're talking about very good players which Donovan Mitchell is but when I start to see like okay usually it's one first round there maybe two maybe a pick swap but as many as six to seven first round picks, and players for Donovan Mitchell. The joke is, are you getting Shaq and Kobe in their prime for this type of deal? What is going on with the NBA, and how is it even feasible for one team to give away six to seven years of first-round draft picks? It's insane.
3: It's eye-popping, right? Now, the Knicks enter, or the Knicks are in a little bit of a different scenario than most teams here because they have eight first-rounders, four of their own, and four from other teams. Typically a team can only give out four of their own and then hey here's four pick swaps whatever, right? The thing pick swaps by the way are largely overrated because of the last Danny Ainge pick swap, you know, masterclass with the Brooklyn Nets. But if you make a trade and then you stay great, the picks don't swap and it means nothing, right? But the Knicks where they're different is they have eight tradable First-round picks. How did we get here? It truthfully feels, though, like the answer was given to us just a couple of weeks ago when somehow the Minnesota Timberwolves agreed to move off all of that draft capital for Rudy Gobert. Because the question that – and we're probably never going to have it answered to us because it would probably paint the Timberwolves in a negative light. It would be jazz leaks. And why would you do that to a team you did business with? But I just don't understand what the second-best offer on the table was. That has been my biggest point of confusion around the Rudy Gobert deal. But, Donnie, if you're the Jazz and you get five picks back and players for Gobert, that's essentially the starting gate for Donovan Mitchell, considering he's younger and more coveted throughout the NBA.
4: It really is. And also, you know how I like to do this. I like to equate it to the other sports, particularly in the NFL. Let's just say the Green Bay Packers, before they drafted Aaron Rodgers, you know, late in the first round. If you would ask them now and say, was it worth it? If we would have given up eight first-round draft picks to get Aaron Rodgers number one overall, they would have said yes because of the talent level. But if we switch it back to the NBA, if you're a front office executive, right, and you're the GM of the Knicks and you say to yourself, You can't build a quality championship caliber team with eight first round picks. Like think about it. Eight first round picks for Donovan Mitchell. That's eight players in round one in the NBA to fill out your complete roster, but you'd rather have Donovan Mitchell. Like I'm sort of trying to wrap my head around what we're actually giving up because it sounds so astounding. And you're right. The Rudy Gobert trade really kicked things in the high gear, but even like a couple of years ago, like, oh, we're not giving up more than two first-round picks or three, or what would LeBron do? Like, honestly, like, if Kevin Durant is still in the trade market here, and I know you can't trade, you know, in more than four picks or whatever your own over the next couple of years, but in, the- in-, in theory, Donovan Mitchell side-by-side with Kevin Durant, is Kevin Durant really worth 15 first-round draft picks?
3: <laughs> I mean, really, Kevin, like, what are we doing here in the NBA? And people have, have suggested this. I almost think that part of the reason the KD deal isn't done is because of the Rudy Gobert trade. Because how can you get back... Donnie, if, if the Nets would have brought back four players and five picks for KD, I think the reaction largely would have been, hey, listen, that's an unbelievable haul. You had to make a move. The Nets did the best they could. Now, people be like, you got back with that? With the Jazz, got back for Rudy Gobert? What are you doing? I mean, do you even know what you have? So... That's where things have started to, I think, get a little bit complicated here. What's really interesting to me, though, is you look at these conversations. And and by the way, right? So the the report is, the the Knicks were the ones who said no to this deal, right? Obi Toppin, Quentin Grimes, Emmanuel Quickly, and six first round draft picks. It was the Knicks who were like, listen, that's not happening here. I wonder if the Knicks and the Heat will almost offer up a little bit of market correction here because I don't know if the Jazz have as much leverage as they believe. We'll run it back with Donovan. Okay, go ahead. You're trying to be the worst team in the NBA, and you're going to run it back with Donovan, who, by the way, you've sneaky slandered to reporters. The The report's coming out. Danny H. doesn't think Donovan Mitchell is a number one option on an NBA championship title team here. So I think you're kind of seeing some early posturing and rightfully so from the Knicks. Hey, listen, we'll pay a big number here to bring Donovan Mitchell in. But let's get serious. We're not clowns. You're not getting eight, seven or clearly even six first round draft picks a ridiculous notion. Like,
4: even we saw, like, a, a, a couple of reports that there could possibly be seven. And you just brought up another concept here. Like, Obi Toppin was a high draft pick already in the NBA, and he's up for there So, essentially, maybe eight first-rounders technically here over the past year and a half, which you the Knicks drafted and what they're going to give up moving forward. Now, my question to you is, I'm going to put you in the GM seat here, whether it be the Utah Jazz or the New York Knicks. From each perspective here, how do you look at this trade option? If you're the Knicks, do you accept this deal? If you're the Utah Jazz, do you accept
3: this deal? Which way would you go on either side here, putting your GM cap on? So, if I am the Knicks, right, I think you're clearly looking to keep R.J. Barrett in. I'm trying to hop in a time machine and undo the Jalen Brunson deal, by the way, would would be the first thing that I would try and do, but that's obviously not going to happen. And here is the thing if you are the Knicks. Some young players and four first-rounders doesn't – is not as bad for the Knicks because they have four other first-rounders that they will then have within their organization – So that would maybe be a landing Spotify with the Knicks. If I'm the Jazz, you have to really figure out here what is the most important thing. Is it all draft capital, or are you looking to get back a young, ascending potential star in this deal? Because the Knicks have been consistent. R.J. Barrett is not on the table. Why would we trade R.J.? Our plan is to pair him with Donovan Mitchell. Well, the Knicks, then, don't have what the Heat potentially do in Tyler Hero. I understand people think RJ is way more valuable than Tyler Hero. We don't have to get into that today. A report did come out, though, from a Utah Jazz Beat reporter, mind you, that there is at least one person in that front office that prefers Hero to Barrett. So maybe the Heat, Donnie, don't have seven first-round picks to trade, but they have Tyler Hero And he's at least on the table in the way R.J. Barrett isn't. Now, Now, we take a look here. Only about a minute left in the segment
4: here. Can the Heat swoop in and do this? Or does this just feel like a formality, Kevin? Utah and the Knicks will work this out. We're not worried about anybody else in the NBA right now. Looks like the fit is
3: going to be the fit here. I think Miami is legitimately in this race because, again, I think from a singular player perspective, it looks like the gap between the Tyler Hero and the best player the Knicks are going to offer is going to be pretty big as long as RJ isn't on the table. It is interesting, though, because if all the Jazz care about is draft capital, the Knicks will remain in the driver's seat the whole way, Donnie. There
4: we go, and I think I get the ability to close out this segment here, so let's do it snappy. Now, we just talked about the NBA, had some fun doing that, but you know what? On deck, pun intended, Kevin, Major League Baseball. What happened up in Toronto?
1: VR training platforms, like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International, are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients.
5: As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop.
1: Learn more at meta.com/slash metaverse impact.
5: Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the o fish sandwich all day.
3: to be watching the Blue Jays-Royals game yesterday with quite the smile on his face. What is the biggest upset in baseball this year? And I don't need to look that up because the biggest favorite of the season lost. We can talk about the Blue Jays, where they are as a baseball team. Could you imagine, Donnie, if the biggest favorite of the year in the NFL, what which would be what, 17 and a half, 21 and a half? loses do you know like that incredible. that is the biggest favorite we've seen all season I'd be willing to bet the biggest favorite we will see all season and they lost the baseball game yeah
4: and it wasn't even like ooh, tough one slugfest here seven six what are you gonna do we talk about a 3-1 game here Kevin where you had an offensive output here from half of a roster that got 12 base hits and also keep in mind this was Kevin Gaussman on the mound. Like it wasn't just, they were a high favorite because the other team just didn't have enough players here. And Toronto was an okay team. Toronto in effect threw their ACE at a triple a baseball team and lost. And they gave up 12 hits. Like we Kansas City doesn't get 12 hits in a series, let alone in the first game of a series against your Cy Young candidate, I guess you could say, in Kevin Galsman. But this just goes to show you at the beginning of every season, Kevin, we talk about win totals in Major League Baseball. Dodgers, 100 wins. Can the Mets get there? Can the Yankees get there? Those teams are always looked at that end. But the bottom level, you look at and say, how does this Major League Baseball team even win five games this year with what they're putting out here? It just says yesterday... Any given day, as it was any given Sunday in the NFL, any given day during the week, a baseball team can beat another baseball team, even if they're strapped with 10 of their 26 players down on the COVID list here. Amazing performance by the Royals, and quite frankly, it wasn't even a comeback. They were the better baseball team yesterday. That's insanity. Mm -hmm. Zerpa versus Gaussman. Zerpa dominates? (laughs) Go figure.
3: And that's like, so there, again, it depends, you know, where you had that, but that above minus 400, if all of Kansas City were available, it's still at least a minus 250 number. Like, they would have been a considerable favorite the entire way, all things considered. The Blue Jays are in a very, very interesting spot, it feels right. Last year, they were a team that, I don't want to say they were overachieving, but maybe we're popping a little bit before people had anticipated. And again, the way that team was talked about, you would have thought they won the World Series at times, I felt. They missed the playoffs last year, okay? And now, with all their expectations coming into the season, you look at the AL wildcard standings, and thanks to a nice losing streak by Boston, they are tied for that final spot. But they have been passed up by the Seattle Mariners, who have now won 11 games in a row. It is really interesting to think that the Toronto Blue Jays could potentially miss the playoffs again with all of the talent and expectations that they do have on that team.
4: Yeah, this was the leap year here for the Blue Jays. This was the year that you said, okay, we'll get our talent together last year. It didn't work out the way we wanted to, but this is our season. And certainly priced that way as well as one of those teams that you said, they might be able to do some damage here, whether it's the trade, trade deadline to pick up some players. But if you just look for a one through nine, They had enough offense that should have been able to carry them here in the AL East and certainly challenge the New York Yankees. And now basically, you know, fighting for their lives. So they just beat the Philadelphia Phillies. So the thought process for me behind it, we even talked about it yesterday. Hey, look at this. This is just what the Blue Jays ordered up here. The Phillies go up to Toronto, Canada and have some issues here with COVID. You bounce them around and then you get the lowly Kansas City Royals who are basically on a de facto vacation through the all-star break. So you can pick up four or five, six straight wins before the break and then propel yourself once you get rested on the all-star break and say okay now we're ready to challenge here for this wild card race you're not going to win the ALEs but at least better before the break turning into the break and then coming out of the break it doesn't look like that's going to be the case here now granted they could still win tonight Kevin on Friday Saturday and Sunday and still have some good vibes but that had to shake them in the locker room after the game and I know it's one game out of 162 but if you would have thought there was one game that they would win easily here that would have been one Springer, 0 for 3. What was it Vladdy, mm-hmm. 0 for 4? You can't go 0 for 7 against Zerpa last night as your two big bangers in that lineup. Tough look there for them. They'll recover, we think, this series, but that was a tough look last night.
3: The Blue Jays still have the third-best odds to win the American League. But the Yankees are plus 140. The Astros are plus 220. Blue Jays, 12 to 1. Right now, the idea in the American League is there are the – it's the Yankees, the Astros, and the rest of these teams are going to figure out who will be eliminated by who and will then play the ALCS. Although a team like the Mariners are hoping that they have a say in that, 11 in a row, 15-1 to to win the American League, made big moves in the offseason, brought Robbie Ray in from Toronto, right? They made the move for uh, Jesse Winker out of Cincinnati. They have tried to put themselves in a position like this here – how impressed are you by? I mean, eleven wins in a row is obviously super impressive. you know, fifteen to one to win the American League does that move the needle for you at all?
4: Yeah, I don't know if the Mariners are moving the needle, but I got to tell you, you know, win streaks are win streaks here in Major League Baseball. How do you get them? And also, you take a look at yesterday, down four nothing early in that game. Seattle fights back. Now we always like to poke fun at some things that we see around Major League Baseball. Do you remember last year where the Mariners were headed? Apparently, Kevin to the world series but traded a middling yeah. closer and had grown men on their knees crying in the dugout yeah. saying how can we go on uh-huh. in Seattle we just had our hearts ripped out okay. from us so maybe the Seattle Mariners look to add at the trade deadline or maybe they'll trade a middling reliever way and completely wreck their season but as I take a look at the Seattle Mariners they were supposed to do this as well along with teams like the Detroit Tigers, remember the Detroit Tigers hey man retooling good young pitching staff they should be on the mm-hmm. run well the Mariners were the same way they basically stole the Cincinnati Reds roster here and added 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 it to their own so he said okay we got an (laughs) influx of talent let's go it didn't work out beginning of the season but 48 and 42 now they're a good baseball club they're probably going to make it into the playoffs Uh, I'll tell
3: you the other thing that that helps the minus 280 favorite to win AL rookie of the year J-Rod Julio Rodriguez entering the fold uh, has been sensational for that team, slow start like most rookies, but he's obviously uh, been phenomenal for them. He'll be in the home run derby as well, which will be fun to follow. Uh, we mentioned, you know, the Mariners moving up. The Blue Jays are tied with the Boston Red Sox. Red Sox struggling here. And it, the Rays had a big seventh inning to pull back and complete a four game sweep of the Boston Red Sox. Look, I know Tampa's solid, I know you're on the road. To, to take two in a row off the Yankees and hand it back like this for Boston, I, it's not a low point of their season. At one point, they were trailing the Baltimore Orioles in a bad way in the American League East. But this was a really, really tough set for the Red Sox to swallow.
4: Yeah, should have had this one. And also quite frankly, I'm glad they didn't because they did have a team total here at the FanDuel Sportsbook over three and a half here for the Rays. One of those where I did think they can get to Cutter Crawford, which he had a decent quality start, six innings pitched, three earned runs here. But also if we're looking at a Red Sox perspective, right, forty seven and forty three even though not having the greatest season here, it looked like it was going to be an absolute disaster. Maybe Raphael Devers would be the hot commodity at the trade deadline because it looked like a lost season for the Red Sox, which now it's not fighting for their lives here in the wild card race. But I also... I want to flip it over here to Tampa Bay. They get to win 5-4. to four. It just seems like Tampa Bay, we always expect them to be fighting for the division championship here in the AL East and certainly being competitive heading towards the playoffs. And it doesn't seem like they're getting their due this year because we don't have that impressive start, right? But they are 49-40. and 40. One of those teams, I'd like to say, just laying in the weeds, not doing a lot but still having a decent season. And when you turn up at the end of the year, Kevin, in late August or September saying, whoa, The Rays are in the playoffs again. Nobody wants to play the Rays. You don't want to play down at the Trop here in that bad ballpark and, you know, lazy atmosphere where the ball doesn't travel. And, oh, here come the Rays again. It just seems like, is it one of those years where, again, we don't pay attention to the Rays, but here they are in late September, a factor to be in the playoffs and see what they can do? It just seems like it's setting up here because 49 and 40, you would think they were 40 and 49 the way that nobody talks about them.
3: They they always find a way, right? I think we, we've come, yeah. you know, we're very accustomed to that now with that team, and, and that's just who they are. They'll probably make a deal at the deadline. It won't seem like it matters. They'll win it by a lot, the deal. It's just that's who the Tampa Bay Rays are, and it's it's who they've been for a while. We're talking a lot about the American League, and I think we can keep that theme going here. The Yankees lose to the Cincinnati Reds in extras 7-6, A surprising series for the Yankees, all things considered, because they lost a home set to Cincinnati. I got to tell you, this is some disappointing managing, I think, here from Aaron Boone. Now, I I don't know necessarily what was talked about pregame, but if you looked around baseball yesterday, everybody was out there throwing 100 pitches because it's mostly everybody's final start before the All-Star game. Nestor Cortez, while not a guy who's routinely throwing a buck ten, has done it a few times this season. Not 110, but has thrown 100-plus a couple of times. Seven innings of work for Nestor Cortez. It's a tie baseball game, and he's only got 89 pitches. And you take him out and have Jonathan Luizaga go out there for his first appearance since May. He struggles the entire way, can't complete an inning. Now, yes, the Yankees tied the game. But your bullpen has been taxed, and you're putting yourself behind the eight ball here. I know it. it this is a unique set of circumstances. Why Johnny Cueto is throwing 118, but Nestor Cortez Donnie is pulled at 89 pitches? Yeah, this is maybe a little sour grapes over a strikeout prop, but it's. It, or as a Yankee fan, nevertheless, that's a bad job at a Boone and, and the Yankees. Cortez could have easily. Finish this baseball game, and it very likely lands in the win column for he and the New York Yankees. Yeah, both starting
4: pitchers in this game. Louis Castillo goes seven innings. Nestor Cortez also seven innings. One guy goes 114. The other guy goes 89 pitches. And you're right. Sometimes you can be that Monday morning quarterback here and say, what went wrong? Well, maybe if you kept Nestor Cortez in, it would have worked out. Because quite frankly, even a breakdown of this baseball game. And by the way, Reds sort of getting hot at the plate here up in New York. Seven runs yesterday. Pretty impressive against that Yankee staff. But even me said, you know what? This total is low here, right? We take a look at that three at a minus 122 at the FanDuel Sportsbook and say, you know what, I'm going to take a flyer in this one. Why? Because Nestor Cortez, as a left-handed pitcher, has had a very good season, but over the past month, has struggled with right-handed batters. He didn't struggle with anything yesterday, Kevin. Seven innings pitched, four hits, one earned run, and I still took the team total down. So sometimes the old adage goes, better to be lucky than good at what you do, and that was one of those one yesterday. But also, keep in mind, going on with the Yanks, man. You're supposed to pace teams like the Reds here head off into the all-star break. Now, again, they have such a lead in the American League East that it's probably not going to factor in, but you would have thought that they would have hit the gas pedal here right before the, you know, all-star break to sort of get that good mojo here. Still 62 and 27 on the season, which is impressive, but 34 and 55 here, Reds, you should be pounding them into, you know, the next stratosphere.
3: Yeah, you you would hope that to be the case. I think, it, it kind of comes and goes, though. Obviously, at points there, were the Yan- are the Yankees going to win 120 games? No, 100 plus. Definitely, it seems. You know, it's where do they land in between that that we're trying to follow? Uh, the Angels and the Astros were at it again. Thursday, I know you were involved on the FanDuel Sportsbook. Worked out nicely for you there. How would you feel about the Thursday promotion?
4: It's kind of interesting here. Go figure, right? The FanDuel Sportsbook has a promotion that says, you know, build your biggest parlay here, and the winner gets like, you know, 50 grand if it works out. So it's Kevin knows. Of I'll build a nice three-team parlay, like a plus 300, a plus 350, to see if I can win it. But on a Thursday promotion here, I go with basically $25 to win $10,000, and that promotion doesn't even factor into it. But it was pretty good. 23 strikeouts yesterday. I didn't win my big parlay, but I did get $23 back, so I only lost $2 and had some fun. It was a pretty good Thursday promotion
3: for for me. Yeah, not bad. Looking forward to next week there. There's another aspect to this Angels Astros game. You can guess it. We'll talk about it on the other side.
2: Sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com.
1: VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients.
5: As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop.
1: Learn more at meta.com/slash/metaverse impact.
5: Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the Filet-O-Fish Sandwich all day.
3: and Otani grows in his status as the AL MVP yeah. favorite. How could that be? Because here's what's happened the last 14 LA Angels games. They're 3 and 0 in Otani starts and 0 and 11 in the start in the games that he's not starting. Like and usually that would be a Cy Young case, but again, as long as he's going to provide at the plate, he is going to be the AL MVP favorite. It is interesting that baseball is not going, and I guess it's just such a different sport. But if you had the best numbers on a five and eleven NFL team, there's no conversation. If you had the best numbers on a eleventh seed in the NBA, there's no conversation. But I guess, I guess the way you would be able to put it into perspective is baseball is different in that the best player in the sport. I guess just can't impact the game enough in the way a quarterback does in the NFL, the way a best player on a team does in the NBA. So, and that's why Otani, despite the fact that the Angels are a total joke, he is still the AL MVP favorite.
4: Yeah, and that's the only way to surround yourself with that because you look at Mike Trout, right? We're thinking one of the best all-time players in Major League Baseball history. Kevin, he comes up to the plate maybe four times a game and he might put out two flyouts to center field that he records outs on. It's kind of crazy when you think about it because in the NBA, you have the ball in your hands the entire time if you want. You can't do that. Like Mike Trout, Otani can't say, I want to lead off every single inning and see how many numbers I can put up. But also, I want to ask you this question here, and it's pretty much facetious at this point. Rob Manfred, who is the commissioner of Major League Baseball. He has a clause that says, in the best interests of baseball, he basically can do whatever he wants. Man, force them to trade Trout and also Otani. Like, send mm-hmm. Otani to New York, send Trout to Philadelphia or Boston. You kidding me? You know how much fun we would have in the playoffs with those superstars? But, again, we won't see them in the playoffs again,
3: but that somehow is good for baseball. Yeah, honestly, like, you can't have two of the five best players just wasting all- Wasting away in Los Angeles. They spend money. It's a crazy, crazy baseball team. Okay. open. Next.
0: Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or.